Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of brave conversations. We'll be focusing on sexual identity today as we look deeper into Philippians chapter 1 and 2. Let's dig in. As we come to this topic of brave conversations, we have waited until the end to tackle one of the tough topics that the church oftentimes struggles to discuss and to, and to discuss well, and that is the topic of sexual identity. One of the things that we have said outright from this is we have to treat this topic with care, with compassion, and with love. We must come at this from the heart of God, and we best see the heart of God in Jesus. And so as we jump into this topic, I think that when we come to Philippians chapters 1 and 2, we receive some really incredible advice, not just for the topic of sexual identity, but for all of these topics that we might come at where we... We might have differences of opinion, differences of perspective, or might be one of those lightning rod issues for the church. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, above all, now above all, more than anything else. So do not miss that. More than anything else, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ Jesus. Now, if we were to stop pause there. What we might believe, if we just take the first half of that verse, is that more than anything else, living as a citizen of heaven means conducting ourselves in a way that is rebuking sin, means conducting ourselves in a way that is pushing back against the wrong of culture and the world that we are supposed to be uh, advocates for the kingdom of God, that we're supposed to be activists for the kingdom of God and scorched earth for anything that stands in the way of what we see as being correct morality, spirituality, or belief. But Paul doesn't stop there. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So above all else, Paul says, I would have you as members of the kingdom of heaven stand together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith. Paul doesn't say here, I would have you above all else, unified in doctrine and theology. Paul doesn't say, I would have you here above all else fighting to vote for the candidate that you believe best represents God's heart. Paul doesn't say, I would have you here above all else kicking butts and taking names on behalf of the kingdom of God and the value system or the doctrinal statement of your church or your denomination. Paul says, above all else, 
whether I come and see you again or not, or only hear about you. This is the one thing that I want to know. I want to know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Standing together with one spirit and one purpose. If we stand together with people whom we disagree with, we can't be standing together on doctrine. We can't be standing together on belief. We can't be standing together on hatred. We have to be standing together under an umbrella that brings us all together. And that would be faith and belief in Jesus Christ, the reality, the transcendence of God, and his power of the world, his divinity. Paul now then uses a couple of analogies here in order to point that out. Paul calls his readers to unite around the faith of the gospel. And there were two allusions that we saw there in that verse, as soldiers and as athletes. I think it's important for us to recognize that because whenever we stand shoulder to shoulder with other soldiers and whenever we stand shoulder to shoulder with athletes, whether it's a sports team or the military, we aren't all the same. There's a lot of diversity on athletic teams. There's a lot of diversity in the armed services. There's a lot of different belief systems, but what unites them isn't the belief system being the same. What unites them isn't as athletes that they all see and vote exactly the same. No, what unites them is a common cause, a mission. And that mission for the church, for you and I, is the kingdom of God, is is Jesus Christ. That is our mission, not to pass laws, not to get justices into our seats, not to have the president or the Supreme Court be our person or of our party. That is not our mission. It's to stand united with those who see things differently from us, knowing that we are united around a common cause and a common faith. And that's the difficulty is oftentimes we, we don't believe that you are with us and with our cause unless you agree in totality with us. Paul says, that's ridiculous. That's not of God. Sexual identity, gender identity. This is one of those areas where the church has in recent memory required there to be a belief and a unity of thought on this issue or not be within the kingdom of God, not be a part of the same battalion, not be a part of the same athletic team. Paul says hogwash. Now, I want to continue on and jump just a little further into what Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. In the next chapter, verses 5 through 11, Paul says, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. And so Paul is going to, Paul's going to show us how to do that, how to live under that banner together with other people. Though he was God, speaking here of Jesus Christ, though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. So instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. 
and was born as a human being. We're about to celebrate that. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death. We're getting a bit of a history lesson here from Paul. Therefore, because of how Jesus lived, Paul says, therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names and that name of Jesus and at that name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we have here from Paul is the recipe for how to live above all, for how to live in the kingdom of God united as though we are a part of the same military branch or as though we are the a part of the same sports team. Paul says here that nothing cuts across the grain of human nature quite so much as being called to humility and putting others first. Why is Paul telling us about Jesus and that this was the key to who Jesus was? Because the implication here outright is this is who we are to be as well. The word Christian means literally little Christ. And so we are to, as best as we may, model the life, love of our Lord, Jesus Christ, as much as is possible and to grow in that. And nothing is more difficult for humans to accomplish, but nothing is more Christ-like, Paul says, for humans to do and to practice humility. And what does Paul say is the best way to practice humility? What do we know is the best way to practice humility? To put others before ourselves. Church, this is the call above all else. When it calls when we confront disagreements on interpretations of the Bible and sexual identity, be humble. Put others first. Whenever we might not understand someone's lifestyle, someone's gender identity choices, how someone chooses <clears throat> how someone chooses to identify themselves, what are we to do? How do we live that way? Well, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have no other choice, Paul says, but to, above all else, be humble and put others first. What happens whenever we rebuke? What happens whenever we push down or push aside? What happens whenever we demean other children of God? We put ourselves and our thinking and our belief systems first. I got to tell you, your thinking, your belief systems, they may not be of God. Yeah, I know you wave the Bible, but so does that person who disagrees with you. And oftentimes their support is just as bulletproof, if not more so, than yours. It's time to lay down arms. It's time to lay down arms on sexual identity, church. It's time to lay down arms on gender identity. And it is time to simply open up the arms of the kingdom of God to be humble, to put others first, and to say, just like a good soldier or a good athlete would say, is I don't, 
I don't have to agree or see everything the same way you do. But I have to act as though we are on the same team because we are on the same team. So Paul says to the Philippians, you are to focus your attention on Christ. And he is saying to us as well, we are to focus our attention on Christ, not out of mere academic or or theoretical interest. This isn't just a discussion for the pulpits and the pews of a church or for the halls of academia or for Bible studies, but this is a real live practice and requirement where we are to emulate Christ's example. Look and see who Christ has meals with. Look and see who Christ hangs around with. In fact, one of the the best explanations for the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus is that Christ had really good meals with really bad people or whom the world said were really bad people. But in God's eyes, it is an upside down kingdom where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Where are you trying to be in line? If you're trying to be the first in line in God's kingdom, in front of a whole lot of other people, or if you believe that's where you deserve to be, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Start putting other people first now. Let God sort out the problems. Above all else, Paul says, above all else, be united. Be together. One faith. One Lord. You and me and all of his children. Let's start there. Let's let the differences work themselves out. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us on the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes and we'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, that's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home.
We've been grateful to have you on our journey through Brave Conversations. And if you'd like to watch our Bible studies live when they air, there's more information on our website about that as well at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.